Hello, everybody. This is Gosha from Cosmic Agency. Hello. Thank you so much for following the channel and for supporting the information that I'm sharing with you. Um, in today's video, I'm going to share with you some, some things that I discovered when reading through our chats with Varu. We don't have the communication with them yet. They, yes, they, they are still gone. And I'm sure for a very good reason. I will touch on three different subjects. Subjects and the first one, very short, because sometimes people ask about the reptilians and they ask about why do the reptilians need to consume, because that's the hard fact, but it's a fact. Why do they need to consume human flesh, human bodies uh, to survive? Uh, why do they need us as food? Because I don't know if you know, uh, maybe for some new ones, but yes, the reptilian races, the aggressive races, they use humans for food. It has been stopped in a, in a major part um, among other races by the Tigetans. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's what they are into. They are trafficking humans. Yeah, they have been or they have before. I'm not sure exactly if it's still continuing or not. Okay. So. Why do they need the human meat? Is it if, if because people say they are so advanced technologically, the reptilians? So why why can they just produce food on their own using some kind of uh, scientific methods? And well, and they need human meat not so much because of the need, the the, the meat, but because of the energy and the connection with the source that this meat still has, because they eat people live life. There, here, Zvaru says, they severed their connection from source a long time ago. So some of them still have the connection to the source. Some of them don't in a lesser or a bigger degree. Not all of them are bad. Actually, reptilians also has to be mentioned. Many of them are changing sides and collaborating. But generally, they severed their connection from source a long time ago. That's why they are considered regressive races, because regressive, they are regressing from the source. What they want is energy to feel alive. So they feed from the energy of those who have a stronger connection to source. It's not only food, as in meat, to eat. Their food is the energy that food emits as it's eaten alive. So just wanted to mention that. And the same for this, for sex and the sex rituals that they in, indulge in because they are, they are consuming the energy. Just wanted to mention that. Now, the, with this out of the, out of the way, with a more, with a darker side out of the way. Now, just a very short comment about the orbs. People also come ask about what are the orbs. Myself, actually, to be honest, I have to admit, I never, well, I never, I didn't really much believe in the existence of, of those orbs or, or maybe better put, I didn't think that those orbs appearing in pictures are actually anything paranormal, paranormal. I believed they were particle of dust and I never really shared the enthusiasm of those who were sharing with me pictures and uh, the orbs somewhere close to their heads or something. I never really believed these, these are anything special. I thought they were just particle of dust or anything else floating in the air. But actually, Zvaru is confirming that no, they are something. They are a visible part from our 3D perspective of the energetic being 
it's a small portion that we can see from our 3D perspective of something that is existing on the higher plane because we it's not detectable. Whatever is in the higher plane, it's not detectable with our senses and because of uh, and due to the matrix suppression. So usually it uh, they come from the lower so-called astral or somewhere between 4D, 5D, between 3D and 5D. And it could be any kind of beings, could be um, discarnate, I'm not sure if that's the word, souls uh, that are outside of 3D. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, simply, mean the, simply, simply are. And the, the, the majority of them are the animals, some kind of a animal species that lives in a higher frequency. And we only see a part of that being. But that's just one exp- one explanation. I didn't go deep into the subject with her, so I'm sure there are other explanations of what what these orbs could represent. This is just one uh, possible explanation. Now, I would like to go on into the subject, the main part of this video, which is explain to you a little bit about life, their life, in the orbit. I will actually make a video about the Taikatan society on their planets, what their life is like there. But what is their like? What is their life like in the orbit in those ships? Because many of them dedicate lives, dedicate many, many months and years to to helping us, to helping this ascension process. And they and they, well, and what do they do there? And what is their life like? At first, we were, she was explaining. To, she was explaining about. The main control deck of a starship. So every, every big starship has a control deck where all the action takes place. Before I continue, I, I want to share with you something very fast. I told Zvaru about the memory that I had when I was about 16, 17 year old. And now I understand it was a memory, but before that, I didn't have any extraterrestrial knowledge. I was I was at, in church every Sunday, so I didn't have the context. I didn't understand, so I didn't interpret this as a memory. I thought it was some kind of a rather a vision for the future, something I maybe I will be doing in the future, like a premonition. And I saw myself orbiting the Earth in a rather small, maybe I'm not sure, small, small, maybe medium-sized ship, in a kind of a control operation command center with screens, with buttons, with windows, and I could see the earth through the window. It was rather close to the earth. And I remember like orbiting, orbiting. I wasn't stationary. I remember like going in some some sort of uh, speed. So I, I told Zvaru about this and she says, yes, it's definitely a memory. You are describing our control deck. And then she goes on to describe it. Back wall is flat with computer screens and access doors. It's a large room, very large, with panoramic windows all around, except the back wall. It has a downward view in those windows. So they have transparent windows and you can see a bit down. In the room, there are several rows of workspaces, control panels full of buttons and touch screens, and individual multiple holographic screens all over the place, and people working like bees, moving all around, talking and sharing things. From this ship, where she was at that time, the Earth looks about the size of an orange held at arm's length. That's how they could see the Earth. 
when I look outside my window at that time, I can see the other ship parked. And also far away in the distance, I can see the four strobes shining in two by two, two horizontal and two vertical of an Ummo ship also parked here. This is life and it's perfectly normal for me. Sometimes she was writing what she was writing because this is, by the way, the communication with them is not channeling, as some people still ask in the comment section. It was written. I say was because for now it's it's gone. I hope it will come back, but for now it has been interrupted. So we don't have the communication. But it was it was written live, live chat, not emails, not WhatsApp, not Facebook. It was just live chat using one of the programs on the internet. So sometimes she used to write from the, from this command center and she, and she was not complaining, but she was commenting that there was a lot of traffic and she was getting distracted sometimes because people were walking around and talking sometimes in order to focus and disappear from the outside noise. She used to listen to music using some sort of headphones, but sometimes she was in her private room talking to us where she could relax more because yes, everyone there on the ship has private quarters. As she explains, we don't have those horrible sleeping quarters for the crew where 20 people share bunks. That's on earth. Here, every crew member has a private room and a bathroom, fully equipped, of course. And then she sent me like an image that she found on the internet, not, not the, not the photo of a, of a girl sitting by the window in a, in a starship. So she says, that's a typical sitting or a bed with a window and the controls around the window sill. And I asked, what do they control? They control communications, internal ship functions, like temperature and air. Also, there is a link to your workstation, to the bridge or to the bridge, for example. I'm not sure what the bridge is in the moment. I think she told me, but I forgot. It was interesting sometimes when she was writing to us and the supply ship was coming in from Taigeta because yes, they, 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 they get supplies coming in from their home planets, supplies of food because they have so-called replicators machines where they can replicate all kinds of products, but fresh food cannot be replicated. They are kind of holistic. You know, they, they went through the technological phase in the past and now they are, she told me they are back more to the holistic methods. For example, when something happens to their bodies, they, 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 they prefer to heal naturally before entering their, the medical pod where they can automatically get healed by the, by technology. So the same with food. They, they are really, they appreciate the, the freshness of nature and they grow their food. They are farmers. A lot of them are farmers and agri agriculturists. So there's, there are ships coming with food. Uh, there's, there, the ships coming with new crew members because the crew members are always rotating. The newbies are coming for their mission straight from the academies somewhere there in, on their planets. And, and, and yes, some of them are here. For a very long time, Rachel, for example, has been here for many, many years since the beginning, but well, since 1952, but many crew members come and go, come and go. So she was explaining that when the supply ships come, comes in, I remember one time she was talking to us and she said, okay, I have to go because the supply ship is coming in and it's, and it's, and it's difficult. 
Why is it difficult? Because when the ship is coming in, they are, and they weigh a, a lot, from what I understand, and their and their ship is stationary, they have to coordinate two ships together. It's not like some kind of automatic magnetic uh, thing that just happens. You know, they have to coordinate, and that coordination, you know, in space, those big, huge, uh, huge s- spaceships, mm, took an effort. It wasn't it wasn't easy to coordinate that meeting of the two ships. So it was just an interesting detail. And they usually eat together in big halls together. The whole crew eat, eats, comes in and they eat together. But, you know, generally it's not easy to live in, in those ships. She says, because we are in the 5D in a ship, it doesn't automatically mean we are not having a hard time. Many of us are farmers or come from farmer families. We are used to large open spaces full of meadows and animals, fresh breeze. It's very hard to be living for months in a steel can in space, looking at our home star Taigeta as a barely discernible pale star at 422 light years away. This is a deep space operation for us. And these, and these ships, even though they are big and they have these biosphere landscapes, mount even mountains, trees, it's still, you know, as she says, steel cans in space. And they miss their home and they miss fresh breeze. They miss real nature. So it's not easy. It's not easy to be there in the orbit, you know, to do what they are doing. So we have to be really grateful for what they are doing, for their dedication and for their desire to, to be there and deal with all this because they don't have to. They, you know, they, they do this voluntarily, all of them. It's not like the army in some countries that you have to do your service. One year of your life, you need to dedicate to the, to the art of the service. But no, it's not. They are, they are doing this voluntarily because they feel passionately. They want to help. They want to do something. And they do it for the adventure too. And they are explorers and adventurers. So they do this for the experience as well. And now as a curiosity, and I'm going to finish with this, when I came to Barcelona in 2011, I had this idea, and, I, and it wasn't just an idea, it was a plan of opening a, an esoteric spiritual shop here in, in Barcelona, and I called it Cosmic Agency, in Spanish, Agencia Cosmica. And I had this vision of this store being a spaceship. I felt I, I wanted to design a a starship. In a way, I felt comfortable with this, with this idea of working from within the starship. I felt the concept was, is, is a, it was as if a starship has landed. I came down and I landed in the middle of Barcelona. And now I am a link between the earth and between other, other races, so to speak. So uh, I designed this shop and I'm going to show you a pic- pictures. As a, as a starship, it was in the form like the typical entrance, uh, Stargate entrance. And my desk, my big desk was my command center. That's how I felt. And I, behind this desk, I, I, I hired a guy to paint, to paint planets and space. And it was my window. It was as if we are still kind of floating in space. Landing, but yeah, because I just said that it was like we landed. I'm not sure. So it was kind of like in between. We landed, but also we are still in space. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was just a shop. So it was, it was just my fantasy anyway. It doesn't have to make full sense. 
It was my window. It was my window. It was my window. And I could see, could see the planets from that command center. So I told Zvaru about this and I showed her the pictures and I said, look, I had this desire, this calling to work like from within the, the, the spaceship. It was kind of like my memory when I was telling you about before and the memory of being in this ship orbiting the earth. And she says, yes, it was the memory. And you made yourself this ship because you felt comfortable in this environment. You wanted to make something that will remind you of where of where you came from. So you feel more at home. And it's true. I, I was there all day, Monday to Saturday, and I felt really great. And I had blue electric lights everywhere. And blue is actually Svaru's favorite color, electric blue. And uh, some of her lights on her ship are also blue. So interesting coincidence. So yeah, I just wanted to say, and I'll finish with this. If you have these sensations or if you are doing something, you don't know why you are doing, like me with this shop, don't discredit those sensations as just mere fantasy or imagination, because they could be memories. They could be visions for the future. They could be your sensations coming from your parallel lives as it all happening kind of at the same time outside outside 3D. So don't discredit those feelings as, 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 I, as I did before. Those kinds of strange occurrences and strange callings uh, didn't make much sense. I still did them, but I didn't understand. But now they make more sense. So I'm sure whatever is calling you and you don't fully understand, it does make sense for sure too. It has some kind of correlation with something that you are beyond your uh, 3D self and uh, observe observe yourself because there could be clues to to your higher identity to your higher self so uh, let me end with that thank you so much thank you so much for your support and i will see you in the next video of course bye bye and have a nice day